0: Morning brothers and sisters. It's day 383 of our daily walk through the Bible with Jesus one chapter per day. I'm Michael Tolercio, pastoral intern of Forest Hill, and we're looking at Mark today, chapter 5. We're continuing along in Mark's gospel uh, as we are also simultaneously walking through 1 Samuel and occasionally the Psalms and Proverbs. And we're seeing Jesus as the king, as as Mark says at the beginning of his gospel account in chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. So he's the Christ in that he's God's chosen king of God's people, and he's also the Son of God. And we've been seeing some of the various ways that Mark has made that clear as we've walked through the first four chapters of, of this gospel account. And we're going to continue to see Jesus' authority, uh, his lordship, his kingship, uh, his status as God's son in today's chapter. Um, but we're going to connect it as well to our last chapter. If you remember in when we when we were looking at chapter 4, we didn't really touch much on the last little... We didn't touch at all on the last section of chapter 4. So we're going to connect that with chapter 5 today. And we have a big chunk of text. So. We're already over a minute, and we're about a minute and a half in, so let's uh, let's ask for the Lord's help and, and get to the text. Father, we pray that you would help us today in the short time that we have. Uh, help me to keep it short, Lord, and help us to be blessed by this word that is so full and rich in Mark chapter 5. Please, Lord, we, we need you to do the work in us, in our minds, in our hearts, uh, in in our uh plans lord we need to we need to be re uh, reconfigured uh, for the day by your word and through your holy spirit's power so that's what we're asking right now in prayer that you would do that lord for us and in us through us and for your plans for this world that you would use your people us uh, in that way uh, we pray this in your son's name who is our king who is our authority who is our lord who is god the son in jesus name we pray amen All right, Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described Had done for him, and everyone marveled and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue Jairus by name and seeing him he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, "My little daughter is at the point of death come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live and he went with him Came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. and told them to give her something to eat. Well, last chapter ended with Jesus and his disciples getting on a boat, and going across to another place than they had been, and they end up in the country of the Gerasenes. Now on that boat trip, Jesus calmed the storm. And we said at the beginning of chapter 4, when we were Uh, looking at the text, that Jesus was uh, teaching us what it looked like to be the good soil. And we said that uh, Mark, in verse 10 of chapter 4, showed us what it looked like to be the good soil. We said that it looked like remaining with Jesus, even when the crowd has gone away, wanting to be with him. Um, But I, I think today's passage brings out another aspect that we... Didn't touch on at the end of last devotional on Mark, the end of chapter four. Because you see, being the good soil, being the kind of citizen of Jesus' kingdom, being his subjects, uh, if he is our king, it doesn't mean mere interest in him. It actually means, if we want to use a little bit of a silly phrase, it doesn't mean mere interest, it means fear interest. Because we see at the end of chapter 4 with Jesus stilling the sea that his disciples in verse 41 are filled with great fear and say to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So to be the good soil, to be one of Jesus' loyal subjects in his kingdom, doesn't mean mere interest. It means fear interest. It means wanting to be with him even when it scares us a bit. Because we realize who he actually is. And it makes our heart skip a beat. Uh, That's what it looks like uh, to be one of Jesus' people to be the good soil. And that continues into today's passage, this same idea of fearing Jesus with a right fear. And it happens to take place right as Jesus and his disciples exit that boat on which his disciples experience that good, healthy fear of Jesus. Um, They come to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus steps out onto the dry land, immediately this man who had lived in that country, that area for We don't even really really know exactly how long, but a while. uh, He comes up intentionally, like runs up, the text says. Runs up to Jesus and falls down before him, verse 6, and cries out with a loud voice. Now here's a man who is an outsider in every way. Here's a man who's totally free from all of the strictures of communal life. He doesn't provide for himself. He doesn't work. Uh, He doesn't have relationships. He doesn't even have clothes. Uh, Not that he wears consistently, at least. And he's been bound by people. And he's living uh, separate. And Jesus has compassion on this man. We see that in how he is sending the legion out of him, the demons that possess this man's life and keep him not only bound in shackles physically, though he wrenches those apart, which just goes to show this man's strength and uh, part of the reason why he is living where he is, uh, among the tombs, uh, but it also shows uh, Jesus' compassion in how he is reaching this man. He says to him in verse nine, he asks, what is your name? So Jesus wants to know this man and wants to save this man. But the townspeople aren't all that interested in this man's salvation, are they? No, in fact, we get a sense of that in how they respond after Jesus does heal this man and does send out the demons and they they possess those pigs, the swine there, 2,000 of them, that which which could mean that there were 2,000 demons in this man, as suggested by the name legion, meaning I'm possessing this man. could be up to 2,000 if there's 2,000 pigs and each one enters. And they rush down the bank, they die. But the townsfolk, they are not thankful that Jesus has healed this man. They're angry. And they're angry because they've lost 2,000 pigs. Uh, this is the country of the Gerasenes. It's unlikely... Uh, Jewish territory; it's likely Gentile territory, from what we understand, and so they're raising pigs there, and they wouldn't be doing that in in Israel, or they shouldn't have been doing that in Israel. Uh, and so these are people that are worldly in every sense; uh, they are content with making a living, raising pigs, uh, with you know farming and herding these animals, herding with a D, uh, E R D, herding these animals. They're not content when their animals are hurt, right? H U R T, when they're killed. And so they actually beg Jesus to leave. It's quite a contrast that Mark uses in this passage here. The contrast between Jesus healing a man who's demon possessed and these people actually not wanting Jesus who can. Free people from demons. They would rather live in the kind of darkness that this man was subjected to willingly. That's, that's the terrifying thing. They would rather separate themselves from the source of life and true healing and light and uh, godliness and soundness. They would rather separate themselves from that for the sake of their, their own conception of livelihood expressed by pigs appropriately. Uh, so, so we have that going on, but we also have another aspect of fear uh, in today's text with verses 21 down to 43, the end of the passage. And I guess just to kind of segue into this, my question might be, where were you 12 years ago? Where were you 12 years ago? Well, uh, the way that verse... 25 and verse 42 read is that it was around the same time from from this passage's occurrence here that the woman who's suffering from this discharge of blood began having that ailment uh, that, uh, that problem and it was also around that same time that The man Jairus had this lovely daughter born to him. Twelve years. It's been twelve years at this point since this woman who we encounter, who encounters Jesus, first began suffering with this ailment. And it was twelve years that this little girl lived before she died. And so, you know, it's helpful for us to think, where were we twelve years ago? Because... Jesus has been in charge, and Jesus will continue to be in charge. And I think if we recognize that, we're we're actually better prepared to respond to what he does in this text. Because he deliberately puts the healing of Jairus' daughter on hold. Jairus comes up to Jesus. Uh implores Jesus to come with him at the beginning of the, this section, verses 21 to 24. Uh, then he's interrupted as he goes. And he's interrupted by this woman who doesn't want Jesus to know who she is. She just wants his power. I'm reminded of a, a lyric uh, that of a, from a song that I like, that I think kind of captures it, uh, when he, the artist puts it in his own sort of... Uh, he puts his interaction and his desire for how he wants to interact with Jesus as follows. He says, some days I want to find you in a crowd and sneak up right behind you and maybe touch your clothes and steal some power from you and sneak away again. I think I think we're like that. I think we're like this woman in some ways. We want the power of Jesus, but we, we don't. We don't want to be exposed by him. But Jesus looks around at the crowd knowing what had happened. He looks around. Imagine being this woman and seeing Jesus looking around at people like in their eyes and their faces and knowing that you're the one who is responsible for what he's talking about. You're the one who has taken some power from him. But he's irresistible, isn't he? He's so amazing. He he is lovingly exposing this woman such that she has to tell her story. And she does. And what does he say? Daughter, verse 34, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. What tender love from the Lord himself, from the king, with all the power to heal people. But... More than the power to heal physical disease, he has the power to bring back to life. And that's what we see in that last section of text, verses 35 to 43. But remember, Jairus' healing, healing of his daughter was on hold at that moment. And Jesus allowed Jairus' daughter to die. That's, that's what he hears right at the moment where he's blessing this woman who came up to him in the crowd. These people from the ruler's house come and say, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? You can imagine the heartbreak that Jairus felt at that moment. But Jesus loves Jairus. He loves people, even though he's not obligated to do what he does next. He does it because he loves this man. He loves his, his daughter. And so he goes, he takes three of his disciples, three of the apostles with him. No more. Reminds me of Gideon taking 300 men uh, to war when we were looking back in and the book of judges there uh, but jesus takes three of his disciples he goes in he brings this little girl back to life he says that she's only sleeping which is a euphemism there uh, she was actually dead but given jesus's power it's as if she was just sleeping and he brought her back to life So we see Jesus with authority over death here in the end of Mark chapter five. So this is the king who has all the power in the world and yet he is tender hearted. He is loving. He is worth fearing. Being around him uh, is frightening in some ways, uh, whether it's him calming the storm on the sea or whether him exposing us for what we're really like. We can't simply sneak up Steal Jesus' power and sneak away again. That's not how he does business with people. He comes in and takes over as the king. And it's for our good. And hopefully we see that in today's passage with how he regards how he loves, how he serves, how he blesses this demon-possessed man, how he does likewise for the for the woman who is suffering from the discharge of blood, how he does the same for Jairus and his daughter. Uh, he, is the, he is the king who has come to restore. But he comes with clarity about who he is. He brings clarity. He brings words. He brings truth. He doesn't come to heal only. And so our interest in him should be not near interest for profit or for benefit, but for what Jesus has come to do. We'll see more of that for sure in chapter 6. But for now, let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given us this uh, brief glimpse at Jesus' glorious love and kindness to us. We pray, Father, that you will transform us in light of seeing his tender love and his power, uh, that today we would live in line with his lordship and his kingship, um, humbly submitting ourselves to your timetable, to the 12 years that it may take for healing, uh, let's say. However long it takes, Lord, may we be pursuing Jesus. May we be seeing him as what we really need. May we be filled with joy for him, Lord. One day we will be healed of all our ailments when we're with him in person. But Lord, let us not waste time now looking only forward to that healing, not to the healer himself. Please, Lord, bless, restore, sustain your people today and into the future. For his glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go well, trusting in our Lord and Savior today, who is also our King. God bless.